Welcome to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. It's no secret that Asia is home to some of the most dynamic, innovative, and game-changing companies in the world. Join us as we survey the land to find the most profitable investment opportunities that will allow you to capitalize off this next wave of wealth creation. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced with the goal of providing actionable insights with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week, I thought I'd share with you guys my recent fireside chat with Will Gabrick during the RISE conference. If you aren't familiar with it, RISE is the largest technology conference in Asia, featuring 100 countries, 25,000 attendees, and over 1,000 startups. Will is the CFO and Chief Product Officer of Stripe, which is a late-stage private company now valued at over $22 billion U.S. dollars. Stripe have managed to simplify and streamline payments for clients like Target, Lyft, Under Armour, and Slack. It was a very interesting chat that we had titled Moving Money at Internet Speed and Scale. And we spoke at length about the tech and thinking behind the movement of money, payments, and cryptocurrencies. Please enjoy my conversation with Will Gabrick. All right. Rise. Every year, this crowd gets bigger and bigger. So thank you, Casey and Patty. You guys are doing an amazing job and increasingly doing a better job each year. Will, thanks for flying out here from the Bay Area uh, and sharing your story with us and teaching us a few things, too, about uh, the wonderful business that you're building. Thank you. Uh, let's, I don't think anyone in this room actually has not heard of Stripe or has actually used the product, but... Uh, for the few stragglers that might be out there, on a very fundamental level, what does Stripe do? What problem are you trying to solve? How does it help individuals and SMEs and large multinational corporations? Thanks, Jay. And hey, everybody. So great to be here. And please excuse me if I'm a little jet lagged. I've been here for all of 10 hours, uh, but really excited to be here. So hopefully I can uh, keep the energy up. Um, you know, when you say a basic level, uh, I guess the way I think about it is, at Stripe, we think about not what startups want, what large companies want, but what is true of all companies. And we have a basic framework for that, which is that companies want to uh, grow their revenue faster with less effort. And so uh, we started working with startups. Uh, as a startup, our customers were startups. And startups are actually a really interesting type of customer to cater to for a few reasons. On the one hand, uh, they're willing to experiment. They move really, really quickly. They like to hack on new technologies. So if there's new technologies out there that are going to be big in five or 10 years, uh, you can bet that they're using it today. But one thing that people don't often think of with startups is they're incredibly demanding type of customer. Uh, they want to move quickly. They want to be super agile. And uh, they don't like you to slow them down. And so we started by working uh, with startups. And uh, what happened was these startups grew. And so when we thought we were working with startups and small companies, suddenly we were working with a bunch of public companies. In fact, a lot of our users have been working with us for years, uh, went public this year, the likes of Lyft or Slack and a bunch of others. And so we started these startups, and over time, uh, we found that we weren't actually catering to startups, we were catering to companies with ambition. And so uh, that framework of grow your revenue faster with less effort is sort of a guiding principle across, across the user base. It's incredible. You guys have had an incredible year. I mean, latest valuation round estimates over north of 20 billion U.S. dollars. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about 
the growth in the last couple of years, how you've seen it just explode, um, and maybe some of the large corporations that you're working with, you know, the likes of um, you know, Slack and, 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 um, and, and uh, Lyft and, and these types of people? Yeah, so one of the big themes for Stripe has been uh, globalizing uh, in general. And what I mean by that is not only our product, we've launched in a bunch of new geographies, we'll be uh, live in, in over 40 countries uh, this year uh, and paying out to many more than that, but also globalizing our, uh, our own organizational footprint. So last year we launched uh, Singapore as a, an engineering hub. Uh, I think we had a dozen people there maybe uh, around this time last year. Now we have over 100, and it's growing really, really quickly. Uh, and um, yeah, I think what we found is that uh, in order to uh, serve users globally, uh, we actually have to be uh, hyper, hyper local. Uh, and that the needs of our users uh, fragment and shard locally based on uh, payment methods, uh, in particular here in Asia. There's so many uh, payment methods. It's sort of a burgeoning ecosystem of, of, of wallets. Uh, and also local regulations. Uh, you have different local uh, regulatory regimes all over the world. Uh, so you know uh, we have to think about uh, how regulations are changing in the US, think about uh, Payment Systems Directive 2 in Europe and strong customer authentic authentication coming online. Uh, as well as uh, everything that's happening here in Asia. You mentioned the launch of a couple engineering hubs. Um, obviously, Singapore uh, was a couple years ago you launched it. Now it's obviously a huge place, marketplace. You said over 100 employees there now. It used to be a small little startup office. Talk to us a little bit about Asia. Um, this is an Asia conference, so we, we want to focus on Asia. How does Asia fit strategically within your global vision? Yeah, well, um, I guess I'd say a couple of things. Uh, one is, and I'm not just saying that because we're here in Hong Kong, uh, we're incredibly optimistic about tech in Asia. It's, it's kind of hard not to be at this point. Uh, there's a few reasons for that. I would say, you know, uh, there's kind of the perfect storm of uh, giant uh, and now relatively developed uh, economies. Uh, you have this wave of people coming online. Uh, only about half the population uh, of APAC is online uh, today, and you have about half a billion people across India and Southeast Asia coming online over the next couple of years. Uh, and so this incredible wave of, of commerce coming onto the internet, and you're also free of a lot of the legacy payments infrastructure that's holding back uh, some of the online economies in the West. So you get to build it from the ground up here. So much of the fun stuff that, uh, that uh, people have built decades ago in the West in a more uh, sort of rickety way uh, is not here. And so you get to innovate from the ground up. Uh, I'd say, you know, another part of it, which I already hit on incidentally, is that Asia is just freaking huge, and uh, that <laughs> makes for an incredible opportunity, uh, but it also makes for a lot of challenges. As I mentioned before, one of the biggest challenges for us is being both global and hyper-local at the same time. And so you have uh, different regulators enshrining local uh, cultures uh, into law. Uh, you have uh, payment methods cropping up all over uh, the region. Uh, you have, uh, you know, Alipay and WeChat Pay still dominant in China. You've got GoPay, ubiquitous in, um, 
in Indonesia. Uh, you've got Grab doing amazing things with Grab Financial uh, and Grab Pay in Singapore. You've got Paytm and Google Pay sort of leading the way in India. And we have to work with uh, all of these and sort of uh, take a lot of the complexity out of the equation for our users. Yeah, it's pretty incredible because because of the internet and where we are, you know, you hear this all the time. It's easier now to build a business than it's ever been in history. Uh, at the same time, I feel like regulatory has stepped up, and it's 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 harder now uh, to deal with these regula regulators, um, especially in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is, you know, I'm I'm from Hong Kong. I live here, and the biggest pain point that a lot of entrepreneurs here in Hong Kong have is the simple fact of opening a bank account, let alone setting up a payment processor, finding your merchant bank, blah, blah, blah. It's almost laughable how difficult it is and how hard it is for an entrepreneur to start a company. How do you think that Stripe can actually help disrupt this, uh, especially in Asia? And how have you guys as a company worked with regulators in Asia to address this? Yeah. Well, you mentioned that it's gotten a lot easier to start a business. And that is true in a lot of ways. If you look at the cost of starting a business, uh, it's gone down by, I think, more than an order of magnitude over the past uh, decade. Uh, at the same time, over a third of companies here in Hong Kong have reported that it's getting harder rather than easier to, um, to uh, internationalize their businesses mm -hmm. and to uh, be a cross-border business. Uh, at the same time, something like 90% of uh, venture-funded startups here in Hong Kong are cross-border businesses or operating in multiple geographies or geographies outside of Hong Kong. So investing in making that easier is you know, obviously a, a, a highly leveraged and powerful investment. Uh, interestingly, we found that in working with regulators all over the world, um, actually on a one-to-one -one basis, it's, it's gone very, very well, and that uh, regulators are, are very well-intentioned and trying to find the right balance between uh, uh, protecting uh, consumers and, and businesses on the one hand and, and also allowing uh, businesses to thrive on the other, and that where this gets hard is actually the regulatory combinatorics, sort of a business that wants to work in N different countries has to think about uh, N or, or sometimes more than N uh, regulators. So for us, um, we think about that deep partnership with regulators. If you look at uh, the UK and Singapore, there's some pretty interesting things happening in both of those places. Uh, they've really taken it upon themselves to try to uh, allow for uh, burgeoning fintech innovation by creating sandbox where you as a company can, uh, can start to experiment with new business models without getting licensed. And so we're hoping to see more and more of that. So speaking of regulatory, I, I know that no talk about moving money at internet speed and scale would be complete if we didn't talk about a little bit, at least about uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, Stripe is obviously was one of the first early movers, adopters of accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment. Uh, you guys then took a step back and, and for whatever reason decided that perhaps it wasn't the right timing for that. How are you guys as a company positioned um, with cryptocurrency? You know, you obviously have also made the news as being uh, with Facebook's Libra as being one of the uh, foundation members. So what are your views uh, in general on cryptocurrencies? Well, you mentioned that uh, we were early on Bitcoin. And that's right. We were actually, I think, the first major payments player to allow for Bitcoin acceptance. Ironically, I think we were also the first to deprecate it. And uh, <laughs> we did it actually at a point in the sort of Bitcoin stock chart where it was, where it was really peaking. 
And the reason we did that is just because we spend so much time talking to our users. And even though there's a lot of promise in cryptocurrencies, uh, for Bitcoin itself, it was not working as a payment instrument. And our users were not using it as a payment instrument and finding actually that it was expensive and risky uh, to accept it. Uh, and so um, you know, as I think about um, you know, one of the most important points about, uh, that sort of drives Stripe, it is just those conversations with our users. And if there's one thing that I would say uh, you know, Stripe does well, it's that we, uh, we spend a lot of time with our users. Uh, we are a very creative company, but at the same time, the beneficiaries of a, of a business model that doesn't require a lot of creativity because we're just bombarded by users asking for things all the time. Uh, we're still waiting to see what they'll want on the cryptocurrency front, but we're tracking, the, tracking it pretty closely. And do you think that cryptocurrencies have a, a good chance in the near future, say two to five years, of actually disrupting uh, the payments uh, environment that we see? I mean, like you said, Bitcoin as a payment tool is very inefficient. Transaction times take forever, blah, blah, blah. Um, it might be secure and it might be the first mover within cryptocurrencies, but as a payment method, it's horrible. Do you think that in the next two to five years that there, were, there, there will actually be a cryptocurrency that can be used on a daily basis for payments? Well, you know, it's hard to say. Um, we think a lot about, in developing products, the Tony Allwork, um, Allwork framework of, of jobs to be done. Uh, for our users, like, what are they trying to accomplish? Uh, and for us, uh, you know, we think about multiple levels of that framework, multiple abstraction levels. The base layer, our users want to move money. They want to accept money globally and pay it out. And at first blush, uh, cryptocurrency seems like it could play into that. Um, and then one level up, we think about the real jobs that our users are trying to do, which is often to you know, build a global marketplace or platform or build a SaaS business or things like that. And it's not clear there that there's a whole lot that uh, cryptocurrency uh, can contribute to. So we'll see. Uh, but again, we're, we're tracking it closely. <laughs> 25 years since the onset of the internet, and we still have not scratched the surface of the true internet economy. Uh, Stripe is one of the companies trying to help bridge this gap. Will, what do you think you know, the future lies for us? You know, we're, we're, we're sitting here at one of the biggest tech conferences in Asia. You mentioned that Asia has this, you know, this explosive growth. It's a focus area for you guys with an engineering hub. You know, how do you think that our future here in Asia will directly you know, change in the near future? How can Stripe help us? How can we build a global economy in Asia, from Asia? Well, you know, uh, before I joined Stripe, I was a venture capitalist, and I used to joke that I really only had one sound investment thesis, which is that uh, one day the internet would be a big deal. And uh, it was a joke because the internet's already you know, self-evidently a very big deal. Uh, $1.7 trillion in internet GDP this year. Like 2019 was the first year in which the internet was a top 10 uh, global economy uh, by GDP. Uh, but at the same time, if you think about it, we've barely scratched the surface. Only about 8% of commerce is online. If you think about phases of the internet, you had the first phase that was really about organizing information. Uh, the second phase was about social connections, companies like Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, um, yeah, WeChat, uh, Tencent. Um, I think we're now sort of into the third phase, which is where you're going to really see the commercial internet come of age and the convening and coordinating power of the internet drive new economic connections online. 
And so I would say um, we'll likely see a migration away from dollars on the internet being spent on ads and towards dollars on the internet actually being spent on goods and services on the one hand. And I also think we'll look back in five years and uh, be almost embarrassed by some of the rails that the economy runs on today, that it'll, it'll continue to run on more and more technology-enabled rails. And a lot of the experiences on the internet won't be offline experiences ported online, but actually net new experiences that couldn't have existed without the internet. So $20 billion valuation, I know you guys are very head down and focused on just building a great company. There's a lot of buzz because a lot of companies are coming to market, public markets. Uh, one thing that I know that you've said in the past is you're just focused on building a really good company um, and, and solving this, this problem for, for the world. What does Stripe look like in five years from now? And are there any sort of things that you're excited about when, when you look at the next two to five years of Stripe's growth? I guess two things. Uh, we will continue to double down and invest on uh, two business models that we see as being economical to the internet. One being uh, uh, that sort of predicated on, on marketplace dynamics. And this is, as I mentioned before, uh, leveraging the convening and coordinating power of the internet to let buyers and sellers who wouldn't otherwise ever find each other transact. And the other is on recurring revenue. Uh, software as a service, consumer subscriptions, things like that. Uh, these are the, the types of businesses that couldn't have existed in the same way offline. Uh, the second I'd say is just you know, uh, more and more investment in globalization. Uh, globalization uh, on a couple of fronts. One is making our products available in, in more countries and markets around the world. And two is uh, sort of lowering the barrier to entry into the global internet economy to make geography less of a factor in uh, global, uh, global internet entrepreneurship. So that it's not just the uh, San Francisco's, the, the Beijing's, the Hong Kong's that are bastions of, of um, internet entrepreneurship, but that you see companies coming up from all over the world. Fantastic. Well, well, thanks so much for sharing some time with us and that uh, we're excited to see Stripe's growth in the region. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All of the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. As always, I'd love to hear your questions, comments, or future guest suggestions. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer. That's J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you in the next episode.